Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that is your 16 and a half point favorite. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And uh, we got a lot to get through, a lot to go back to. Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, nice to nice. Well, I, I saw quite a bit of Paul since yeah. the last podcast. Um, and uh, we, well, I have missed Scott and I'm happy to have him back. Um, mm-hmm. And we can talk about the Buffalo Bills and their stunning victory over the Tennessee Titans. And for some reason, the score that I pulled up was now gone. And it's been like two weeks ago. Was it 17-7? It's 14-7. It was a a slobber knocker, as JR would say. I kept wanting to say 17-14, but because it... It felt closer than it was, but it it was closer than it was. Yeah, it was that's, exactly that's as when someone misses four field goals. There's there's like boy, I think the Titans should add more points on the board. For some reason, they did. It might be a little different. Yeah. <laughs> there there's so much to remember from this game because it was such a weird game. I had I, completely. I, I went back today and listened to to Bills and Beers because I had listened to their podcast from after the Titans game just to remind me of what the heck happened during that game. Yeah. So we we uh we had a uh. A performance by the offense. I'll call it a performance. Um, another another epic kind of ass kicking by the defense. If I if I could editorialize before we get all that out and um, and a a a kind of shitting of the bed of the Tennessee Titans. But it all adds up to a four and one record through the first five weeks of the season, and then a week off. And now the Bills are getting some guys back. And uh, but let's 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 talk about this Tennessee Titans game now that I have the stats up. Um, Josh Allen, 23 of 32, a 70, nearly 72 percent passing performance for 219 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. He did take four four sacks. But uh, that's um, that's not the day that Marcus Mariota had who I mean, he it says five sacks and no interceptions, but it felt like he he just had even less. It somehow that seems like he he didn't. It seems inflated somehow because Marcus Mariota looked completely lost. Um, but let he me... fell to the curse of the Bills, by the way. He is now the backup quarterback for Tennessee since that game. Damn. Well, there you go. Well, let, let's let's start with you, Paul. Give sure. us your thoughts on this game and and let us know. And in particular, I think uh, you guys mentioned a, a good point already. Uh, should this have been a different outcome given how how many times the the, the Titans shot themselves in the foot? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting hypothetical. I think first I want to give, uh, I've been mentioning who had the closest pick at the, you know, when we do the picks for the next game, but I should mention off the bat, kudos to Scott for picking a 21 to 17 Bills win, which was the closest any of us came. But it also goes to show you to Frank's point that there, you know, that there should have been some more points on the board and the Bills definitely got away with something. Santos kicking for Tennessee was cut literally the next day as I, Mentioned he might be on Twitter, but that was really pure speculation and a lucky guess on my part. So, you know, leaving those points on the board matters. Did it affect the outcome? So tough to say, hypothetically, because that affects where the Bills start. A starting position on certain drives affects what they do with the ball. They've shown a propensity for coming back in the fourth quarter with, with Allen under center. Mm-hmm. So even if they've fallen behind, they might have anyway. Um, I think a, a Bills game at Tennessee would really be a coin flip in most instances anyway. I think we we all mentioned that last time. Frank was the only one to pick the Bills to win by, you know, 10-plus points last week. And even he said that was with the, the caveat that would be late scoring. So I think, yeah, this result certainly could have been different. 
Titans very well could have won this game. The Bills were fortunate to escape with a win, at least from an offensive perspective. I think from a defensive perspective, and I'll leave the sexy defensive line dominance stuff for Scott, but the the defense just did an exceptional job of shutting down Mariota, showing him the bench. So now Ryan Tannehill is the starter in Tennessee. Oh, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, who I think would have suffered the same fate if he played the Bills anyway. Where do you have to be in your life to turn to Ryan Tannehill to turn yeah. your, your season around? Or Ryan Fitzpatrick, which might might come up later. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was it was really you know just complete defensive dominance in almost every way except the turnovers. But to be fair, Tennessee had not turned over the ball literally all season until this past weekend when they lost. So they were just not a very turnover prone team. But they really shut down that offense in in all perspectives and kudos to them on the bills offensive side of the ball. You know, it's kind of funny. We were told we could if, expect Josh Allen, the guy who's going to struggle with accuracy, but he had this really strong arm. He's going to be able to kill these deep balls. His deep balls have been hideous. Like Oh, for seven with seven off target. That means no drops in there. Just him missing on a bunch. His accuracy is Frank mentioned. I think he said 72% this week His Hovering around 65 percentage, 62 percentage this year, he's been very, very good overall with the accuracy, and he's taking what the defense is giving to him, which Scott has mentioned is a major point that he needs to focus on. I think as he starts to continue to, as he, excuse me, as he continues to succeed in hitting those underneath plays, I think you're going to start to see defense have to play those plays more and give him chances at a deep ball. And then I think he's going to start hitting the deep ball. And then I'm, you know, hopefully we see those numbers inflate. The other stat I want to bring up on offense, they still aren't finishing drives and it's, it's driving me a little bit, bit crazy. They're good in yardage. I think I saw they were, you know, eighth or maybe 10th or something like that. 10th or 11th in yardage overall. And their red zone percentage is great. 71.5% touchdowns in the red zone, which is tied for first with, uh, I believe it's Houston. Mm-hmm. But between the the like midfield or their own 40 and the opposing team's 20, they either stall or they turn it over. Allen did turn it over once with one bad interception amidst his otherwise good performance. Um, and they really need to focus on, you know, once they get in, I don't know what we want to call that zone, the beige zone, maybe the middle of the field, getting to <laughs> the, the maroon 20. zone. Yeah. I think they actually call it like the green zone because yeah, it's they, like you have to go to try and get into the red zone kind of and like right. stay aggressive. So we have terminology Scott has informed us about. So we'll call it the green zone, but that is where they've been very ineffective this season. It's why they are so low in points scored for a team who's Offensive numbers are otherwise respectable. You've got two receivers on thousand plus yard pace, one with a thirteen hundred yard pace. You've got running back, a running back who's on a thousand yard pace. So, you know, all of that says to say they've got to do better in that area. And then I would be remiss if I did not mention, of course, the big news of Duke Williams being promoted to the active roster and having an immediate impact, which I do not want to overreact to. His numbers weren't as good as Deontay Thompson's in his re-debut with the Bill Bills years ago. So let's take it with a grain of salt. But the and he is older than we expect. Remember, he's older than than Zay Jones, two years older than Zay Jones, because mm-hmm. he, uh, he was in the Canadian League. He got cut by the Rams after being drafted. But um, very encouraging signs that he worked his way from a guy who was so bad in training camp before the preseason started that he was relegated to below the third string, like third string guys were getting, you know, uh, snaps over him. And now he's worked and worked and worked and gotten his way back up to the, a point where he's, he's slated to play a significant role in this offense going forward. So let's hope that comes to fruition. 
Well, before I turn it over to Scott, I just have to quickly point out, first of all, who is Zay Jones? Because I don't feel like I know who that <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of that person. Um, I and, think he's uh, a Raiders receiver. I, I think so. I, I heard he might be the best pass blocking receiver <laughs> in the league. And that and apparently uh, being Duke Williams will get you on the team. So uh, that's pretty much what I wanted to say. Scott, your thoughts. Um, oh, that was you know the other thing I was going to say was you had said that, you know, their, their struggles in the beige zone, of course, were were. Um, the the issue i'd also say that a team with a lot of yards that's not scoring as many points you got to point to some of the turnovers and yep. i am obviously a big apologist for those turnovers still but <laughs> but you you mean you you can't you can't um pretend like they didn't cost the team points so uh scott your thoughts on the titans game yeah i mean um I, briefly judging on one of paul's points i think we are we do need to rename the bills as like the quarterback reapers because like at this point like uh darnold hey. Eli, yeah, yeah. Darnold, Eli, now, uh, who, you know, Mariota, all kind of benched or injured following Bills games. So right. clearly the Dolphins did it preemptively by starting by starting Tannehill this week. Um, but anyway, I think, you know, I will uh, I will uh, regain my typical uh, Debbie Downer form. I had a week to 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 renew my strength and uh, come back with new ways to to piss on another Bills victory. And yes. Uh, That's why we call you Scott the Pisser. Big nickel. (laughs) Dropping a dime. That's that. It's that's one of those type of films. Um, (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) This this is going to be a 40 minute digression, so I'm not going to say anything until Scott's done with this segment. What was was, who was it? Elsa. She's in. Oh, boy. For a while, she was in those films. But oh, Elsa, not Elsa. Yeah, sorry. I was like frozen. That's a completely different. (laughs) That's a completely different film that has definitely not been. What is the rule of the Internet? If it exists, then there's porn of it. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Rule 47, I believe. Yeah. Um, anyway, now we've we've only done a three minute digression. Um, so briefly, uh, I mean, I, I think I struggle with the Josh Allen performance because, again, like the stats and we'll get to this later when we get to listener questions, which is the Facebook question that I put out there. But like if our goal was to successfully turn Josh Allen into a Tyrod Taylor who turned the ball door over, then mission accomplished. Like that's basically what it is right now. Like he takes more chances than Tyrod. So he throws more interceptions, but he still isn't actually hitting any of those big passes. And Tyrod actually had a deep arm. He just didn't, he just didn't try for the most part. And that was the, and that was a, a fair critique of him and that he didn't consistently move the offense, but he was pretty decent on the short and medium routes and hitting guys and timing and stuff. It just, and he was obviously just as athletic uh, as Allen in terms of his ability to scramble and make yards. But mm-hmm. Allen, you know, was 10, 10 carries for 27 yards on Sunday. And his, his overall, like his QBR, which is the, the stat that counts, you know, the, the, the point of the game, the, the relevance that includes the rushing stats, the kind of advanced one, his QBR was like 26.3 or 28.3, which is obviously nowhere near kind of starting caliber and i think you combine that with as we pointed out the points total where uh right now i think we're tied for 28th in the league in points scored Mm -hmm. which is not really acceptable and i think it kind of to me like the other side of paul's point of like you know the defenses might start cracking down on the intermediate passing game to make him um that will eventually allow some of the deep throws if i'm the defense and we're only giving up 14 points a game I'm kind of going to say I'll live with the short throws because he can't complete enough of them to keep their offense moving. And as long as he doesn't hit any of the deep throws either, which admittedly he's not hitting anyway, um, then 
we just need to be able to score more than 14 points a game, which obviously mm-hmm. is. Or, or he may hit seven intermediate throws, but then they feel he's going to throw an interception anyway after hitting seven in a row. So Exactly. Like, and, and we've seen that happen this year. So I think, I think it is a mix of all of these things. Now, again, I, I don't want to say like I'm dead for him forever, but I just also want to be realistic about where he is in terms of being a, a starting quarterback at this point and that there's, there's still work to be done. Obviously the defense we've touched on Phillips had kind of that monster first half. Um, I, you know, the, I think Mariota is not a great quarterback anyway, but obviously anytime you can put pressure on even a mediocre quarterback, it really kind of throws things off. Though I'll say the Titans also dropped a pass here or there that did, that did hurt them uh, on occasion. Um, they obviously came to play on defense. The Bills running game, they really quite got on track. Um, which is a little disappointing and also kind except of, in the final four and a half minutes when they it, did right and a hundred percent and that was with a makeshift offensive line so kudos to the guys who did come in because obviously by then now uh, we'll get to this when we get to the injuries but obviously those guys are mostly coming back but by the end it was mm-hmm. definitely like we're down to long and ryan bates, uh, bates. was in a tackle yeah exactly and feliciano is playing back to playing center now so yeah i mean those guys i i will credit um you know, again, like it's not like the offensive line has been dominant this year, but at least the depth is better to where we can put guys on the field who are NFL players and not, you know, XFL players um, and can 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 finish a game like that with some, again, good and creative play calling from Dable, who is, I think, I think really a, a very good coordinator. I think I've kind of decided at this point, but he's doing he's doing the best he can with what he has, which is, you know, a, a mediocre pass blocking line, a decent run blocking line. And a quarterback who's probably inconsistent at best right now beyond kind of hitting the, the easy throws of the middle, which, again, he wasn't hitting last year. So give him credit where credit's due for improvement. Um, so I'll say that. And then, yeah, getting back to the original question, I mean, I think, yeah, it, it's tough in terms of how this game is different if Santos is making these field goals. Because, yeah, obviously the Bills are going to know that and they might play a little more aggressive, especially in those last you know third and fourth quarters where you know they were admittedly trying to score for, for some of those because obviously a seven-point lead. I think they only got the seven point lead in that third quarter. I'm trying to remember. It wasn't. Yeah. Ago. In fact, they had a touchdown call back because for a very brief moment, the Titans had a seven or a six point lead. Yeah. Right. Right. The, uh, right. the uh, pass. And the Daryl Johnson yeah, blocked field goal killed that drive. With a, it would have been like a 20 some yard field goal, and Johnson blocked the, the kick. Yeah. So it, I think, um, you know, you, you don't want to rule out anything. And obviously, it's tough to say. But I think, I think Paul is right. I think it would have come down to it. I think, I think, just the way that game was being played. It was a fairly close run game and you could see how even making one or two of those field goals would have made it a lot more different in how, and how the ending could have played out. I'm not saying the bills would have lost. I'm just saying it's definitely, you know, it's, if they play that game 10 times, I'm not sure it's five Titan wins and five bills. wins. I don't think, I don't think that the difference in the teams was night and day. And obviously that, and to the fact that the bills won on this particular day, I think you have to credit McDermott and the coaching staff for getting them, you know, they, they were just a little bit a step ahead of the Titans coaching staff in this one. And obviously a great performance by the defense leading the way as usual. Well, there you go. Uh, thanks for ruining everything, Scott. Uh, glad to have you back. We left the Twitter war for you, Frank. I mean, that's that's something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually checked out on the Twitter war. I, I remember it v- vaguely with the uh, yeah Taylor Lewin versus yeah. Phillips and, uh, and that guy got his ass beat. So like, I don't even care. He, he did. And then he apologized know. for it. And then he, they all made up and Jordan Phillips is like, Hey, we'll keep our focus on the game. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd like to push back a little on, I think it was a game where, um, 
I watched that game and I never felt like Tennessee could do very much. And I understand that I, when I look at those missed field goals, I think two of them were actually tough, hard field goals. And you probably, well, oh, yeah, they were 50 plus. Uh, two right. Were 50 and the plus last one, yeah. the last one that he's going for, like no sane coach in his, in his <laughs> mind should be trying to kick, putting aside the fact that he's missed the first three, because, you know, it's also like not going to help you. It's going to make you yeah. down four instead of, you know, seven, which doesn't really. And it was late enough in the game that that. Yeah. It was. Yeah. You had to get yeah. the ball. It was a classic. I then you'll have to get the ball back. And so what, that was what really that was really dumb from Vrabel. Yes, that was not the debate that we had the week before about whether or not in a six point game, a field goal makes sense. I think there's much more of a debate in that kind of state with four or five minutes left. But with or there might have been a little more time. But in this game, yes, it made no sense for them to do that. And so that I would also put maybe Vrabel doesn't have a brain fart. But given that he did, maybe he would just do it again. Here's my bigger point with regards to the game. And Mm -hmm. and it's not really a counterpoint to Scott, but it's a it's a adding a factual situation. The AFC is not very good. So you know what? You don't have to be much better than the Titans to, to pretty much sew up the third best record in this in this conference. Because if you look at New England and you look at Kansas City and then you ask yourself, which of these teams can't the Bills beat? I don't know. Baltimore, maybe like Baltimore looks kind of tough. Like it's not that there won't be tough games, but like who do they have to beat to be good or, or to have a good record, which is is, you know, part and parcel of, of what we're trying to do. I agree with Scott's, you know, uh, overall maxim that he usually has that the point here is to win the Super Bowl. And I get it. And you know what? They probably weren't going to win the Super Bowl this year, no matter how they, how, you know, what they did. But I'll tell you what, part of that is getting to the playoffs. And they are definitely in a position where, you know, they're going to make the playoffs here. Like there, there's really mm-hmm. like, it's going to take a, a Herculean, truly awful effort to, to fall apart here. And it's not just a matter of um, they'll squeak in. It's that they're probably clearly better than most of the teams in the AFC. And I think that what I'm hopeful for um, uh, is that, you know, the week off, I remember when Allen came back last year after the time off from the injury, he, he stepped up his game a little bit and I'm hopeful and, and, you know, goes to the off season, does something else. And maybe with two weeks off, and some, uh, you know, some um, time to uh, to uh, reflect and get your running back back and your some of your offensive line back. That should, that might um, that might improve. Who knows? Maybe he's been working on the timing for two weeks with Duke Williams or uh, or whoever else. Um, I so I don't know. I'm I'm you know. And the other good news is Dolphins. So. <laughs> we'll we'll go with it. We'll go with that. Um, let's let's go on to, to three stars. Uh, you know, I, we could talk more about this game, but um, you know, it was two weeks ago now, or by the you know by the time it makes any difference. So yeah, we do, and we've gone 19 minutes on it. And yeah, that's plenty. That's All right, so let's do three stars and and then see what happens. All right, honorable mention: Duke Williams, four yards, touchdown, and the winning touchdown at that. So uh, again, you know, I let. Ideally, Zay Jones probably also makes that catch. It's not like Duke was doing things that were completely different, but I don't know. He's, <laughs> he's in the NFL. That's his first touchdown. He gets an honorable mention, and that was the game-winning touchdown. So we'll I'll, take I'll agree that Zay Jones could have made that catch. I don't know if he yeah. does. Yeah, I mean, he has caught touchdowns. It has, that did happen at some point. In his I career. all right then. Okay, I'll back off. 
Okay. No, it's, it's, it's no, I mean, obviously I don't think there's any case that Duke, that Zay Jones needed to be on the team anymore. And we'll get to that. In a minute. Very um, so, but your uh, actual third star goes to, there was a person on the team I was going to give it to on one of the two teams. And that person was Daryl Johnson. All right. The aforementioned field goal block, which obviously ended up being fairly critical given how close the game was, but in general uh, also had a sack and a, and two other tackles. So definitely a good day at the office for Daryl Johnson anyway, and especially Mm -hmm. for a seventh round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Sounds right. Correct. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good day at the office for a seventh round rookie. So, um, I mean, we've had success with Eddie Yarbrough in the past and, and other kind of bottom of the heap kind of ends. So I'm happy to see that tradition kind of continues at giving us valuable depth there. So that is helpful for everybody. Um, I will say that the second star, um, I think I had it as I think, yeah, I think I gave it to Logan Ryan. So that is the Titans cornerback who had, um, excuse me, nine tackles. Uh, one sack and uh, another QB hit, as well as I think he had a pass breakup too. I forget what it was, but uh, I, again, I think the Titans defense played well. Um, obviously, like the Bills did do a fairly good job of controlling the game on some level with the overall. I'm looking at the time of possession, 31-28 for the Bills, which is certainly not uh, out of the realm of, you know, is not terrible from the Titans' perspective. Um, so I think I, I think that Titans defense deserves credit for keeping the game close. And obviously they they did let the Bills take some of those underneath passes, but they the Bills had to work for everything. And it's not like they really, you know, put put the house on fire there. So I think some credit is due uh, there to Logan Ryan and the rest of the Titans defense. But your main credit goes to uh, Jordan Phillips for a first star performance. Three sacks. You get three sacks. It's going to be hard to keep you out of. um out of the out of the first star slot and uh, a, a general a dominant performance and he has shown a lot um i think i would say i still not really concerned about ed oliver but it's clear that he has not come out of the gate like on fire but on some level the fact that jordan phillips has set, set stepped up means that it's the production has been there and the yep. the push from inside has been there mm-hmm. that means the whole defense works so now on some level from the Bills front office, as long as they get somebody in there to do it, that's all we really need. Right. Ideally, Oliver will will start to produce a little more once he kind of – I think it's clear he needs more moves in his arsenal and that simply just being faster off the snap isn't quite as um, effective as a solo pass rushing technique at this point in the, in, in the league. But uh, hopefully we will get there with that. But in the meantime, Jordan Phillips uh, at 340 pounds just uh, – just just wrecking people both in the game and on Twitter. So Jordan. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It's and I like the fact that you, and you brought up with Oliver, Scott, is that this really takes some of the we're not even talking about it, Oliver, and they're like, where the hell is this guy sort of way? Like advanced stats have said he's pretty good, he's getting a lot of pressure and he's doing well. But it's not like, like man, this defense could do so much better if Oliver would step up. It's like, no, it's mm-hmm. let him let him do his one eleventh. If, Sean if we're one if we're one in four there's a lot of where's Ed Oliver on the on the Buffalo radio, I'm sure. Right, or if but the right if now, they're if they're not getting pressures on quarterbacks and 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 being a dominant defense too, you might be like, well, where is he? So yeah, he gets to yeah. hide a little, yeah. Yeah. 
good, good for, for player's him. development, I say. So. It is good for him, right? He doesn't have to like you know. Anyway, go ahead. As long as he eventually gets there, yes, it's good right. For yes. Sure. <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. If he just if he just starts cashing the checks for the next three years and it's like, oh, they got it without me. I'm I'm good. Uh, that's probably that's not. what we call the Aaron Maven approach. So yeah, got again, make sure to piss on a potentially positive point. So well done, uh, Scott, on that one there. I do it again. Well, okay. <laughs> so um, let's go through the uh, AFC East. New England, uh, you know, is unbeaten. They do enough, according to Paul, to beat yeah. the Giants, and then the Jets looked kind of good in a in a yeah. win over Dallas, um, and then finally. Uh, the the Finns lose a a a game I was foolish enough to watch three seconds of um, in in to Washington and uh, that just sort of made me feel good all around that game because I was like man that's a lot of that's a lot of people we're gonna so should have to your next three uh three wins and yeah we we don't have to talk about the Dolphins too much now because we'll talk about them at the end but one thing and I think it was you who made this point earlier Frank we talked about the the Jets, I watched, I shouldn't say all of that. I watched the first half and then about the fourth quarter. I went to church uh, during the halftime and third quarter. So I come back and like, they they didn't look like, wow, this is a dominant team, but they put it together. They Darnold had a really good day. They looked like a, a team that was just a quarterback away from being a competent NFL team. And, and the larger point it goes to is that, is Frank noted there doesn't seem to be a lot of great teams in the AFC. You're like, wow, we've seen, you know, Kansas City's weaknesses, but even the teams that beat them, Indy and Houston, have shown their own weaknesses. And then, but the, but the other thing is like the teams that the Bills have lined up aren't necessarily, you know, hapless. There, there's some hap there, I guess is what I'm saying. Mild I mean, hap. Mild hap. The Jets, Jets showed what they can do. Pittsburgh looked very good again for the second week in a row with their 50th string quarterback. Cleveland played very well in the loss against Seattle. Seattle's just a really, really good team. And then you have teams that we haven't talked about at all that are the Bills uh, play. Denver, who's won two in a row after a terrible start. And Oakland, the Bills don't play, but they, you know, they're, they're three and two. So none of them are like, wow, I can't see the Bills being as good or better than these teams. But all of them have sufficiently gotten my attention to where I'm like not taking any of those as, as gimmies. And, you know, I still think the AFC East is going to be, you know, if the Bills can win these games, it's going to be them and the, the Patriots at the end, probably the Patriots. But with the Jets looking like they did and the, the Dolphins probably giving the Bills two wins, I would guess, you know, could could be interesting. Do you think yeah. that do you think that the and, and Scott, you answer this question, too. Do you think that they will be there at let's not say they're going to win the AFCs, but do you think that the game at the end of the season is going to matter uh, in that regard uh, when they play the Patriots or is it already a done deal? The Patriots game or the. The Patriots game, yeah. Like so, like when the, they play the Patriots at the end of the year, uh, it's the weekend before Christmas, right? Do you think it'll be a? Is that a done deal now, or is it? Um, that game might matter for the the Bills uh, AFC East championship, you know, chances. Hmm. Um, I would say that's a tough call. I don't think New England is so good that they're gonna like. I think it's pretty clear the last two weeks that there's flaws in New England. And even during the Bills game, there were it's clear mm-hmm. that there are flaws. And I don't see them getting un- going undefeated. But based on the fact that they've already beaten the Bills once, and uh, I feel like they – I don't know if they played the Chiefs already. 
that. They have not. No, they have the Chiefs lined up yeah. still. So, I, I mean, but even then, like, they beat the Chiefs last year, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, at least twice, I think. Um, and so they, that, so I have trouble seeing how the Chiefs beat them, but I also don't think that they're good enough. So, but at the same point, if the Chiefs are the best competition they have, or the Bills, they've already handled them once, still doesn't mean that they're not going to go 14-2 and two or something. Right. And even if the Bills drop another game or two at that point, you're really stretching the bounds of how that becomes to a thing because then it gets down to, I mean, I don't want to rule it out. I would say there's a much better chance that this year's game will matter more than others. Um, but so, yeah, I, I would say there's a chance that it will matter. I think there's definitely at least 50, 50 chance that it'll matter. Okay. 50, 50. Um, and yeah, feel free to give us any other thoughts on the AFC East that you have. Yeah, no, like, I, I think, I think, I think it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by Darnold looking better. Um, and mm-hmm. I think, I think that's something that's a concerning development in general because I'm, I'm now kind of worried about that second Jets game on some level. I mean, obviously, we'll get them at, we'll get them in Buffalo this time, but it'll be less of a. Um, so I think that'll help, and obviously, it'll be late in the season as well. I think it is. Uh, I think it is the last game of the season, right? The Jets, yeah, I think yes. they finish against the Jets at home. Yep. Yeah. So presumably, the weather would be bad. The the, the throwing may not be quite as much of a factor, obviously, depending on the weather. Um, but we'll see. So I think that's, that's a little concerning, but then that's obviously balanced by the fact that Dallas doesn't clearly seem like world beaters anymore. So while we'll have to go to Dallas on Thanksgiving, I don't think I'm signing us up for an automatic defeat there. And I think you guys points about the relative breadth of hap throughout Mm -hmm. the league are well taken here in that there's, there's probably no games that are super layups Mm -hmm. except for this week, maybe. Um, and then there's, but there's also no games where you're going to be completely outclassed. So I think that that speaks to the to the balance and the the what you call it the parity in the league. I think that that you're right. I think that the um the the defining characteristic of this team is that they're certainly good enough that they they could beat anybody. Um, you know, I think even you know New England in included, obviously, because they they were right there with them, even though they didn't actually get it done. Um, and that didn't feel like a fluke. I think you're right that there's probably a little bit more hap amongst the teams in the AFC, but also, you know, um, that's okay. I, I think the, the, it's certainly a two horse race. And I think that the problem is, I think Scott nailed it, right? If, if, if the Patriots go 14 and two, even with the, the bills going, you know, 13 and three, which would be an exceptional record, obviously, you know, that's, that's already kind of a little too, too far gone. So, um, we're going to have to kind of, yeah. What am I, uh, what am I trying to say? The, the bills are, are probably playing for a wild card, which is a little disappointing, but, um, they could definitely end, they could definitely end the season 13 and three and be the five seed, which is right. Which is just ep- amazingly frustrating, mm. right? Like that's just insane. So yeah. Anyway. All right. So the bill, but the, but the, the point is the bills are good. Um, Zay Jones was traded. We, we talked a little bit about this. He went to Oakland um, literally, I mean, within hours of after a, a text chain between us where I said, you know, like I expect them to make moves. Uh, and, you know, certainly we were all sort of openly questioning the value of Zay Jones if, if Duke Williams is going to be there. Um, and he had one snap in the in the game, which was remarkable. I mean, that's, that's, remarkable. Yeah, and it was on Allen, one Allen's quarterback sneaks. So it's not right. Like he, yeah. He was, did he was, he was toasted. He was taken out of the rotation completely. Um, you know, uh, 
was it a next year fifth rounder or something? It was something very small. Yeah, 2021 fifth, which is, you know what? I was thinking they'd get a 2026 for him. I would rather actually have the 2021 fifth. You just get, I think higher graphics are better, even though it's put off an extra year. Um, I, I, Paul, would you, or Scott, would you like to uh, relay your, your Bon Mott uh, when you, when you discovered the trade? Oh, I, well, <laughs> yes, no, as, as yes, the text chain continued, and I, I believe I had something along the lines of, well, anytime you can take a 2017, 2017 second, or 20, 2017 yeah. second round, if you traded up 2017 for. second rounder and turn it into a 21, 2021 fifth rounder, you have to make right. that deal. Um, <laughs> the Zay Jones era kind of summed up, I think, unfortunately. Um, yeah, Zay Jones, I, I'd like to point out, you know, technically a, a, a whatchamacallit only. A McDermott um, pick, a McDermott pick, not a McDermott and McBean, not a McBean pick, because um, mm-hmm. that was still during the the, the Whaley dark, part, the yeah. Whaley times, um, as we like to say. But the, Mc, the brief McWhaley era, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, so, but you know, other than that, I mean, does how poorly does it reflect on their our draft, or do you can you just chalk this as like, all right, that was that was a miss, they tried something, didn't work, and I'm I'm prepared to move on. I mean, are you, does it, does, do you take a lot of, um, umbrage to the fact that this didn't work or, or are you a little more, I'll be, I'll come forward. I'm, I'm a little more shoulder shruggy in, in my mind. I'm, I'm like, it, it clearly didn't work. Um, and I don't want to hang it on the front office that's there now. Exactly. Um, you also don't know, you know, how much of that was Doug Whaley's prep work, you know, how much of that was a lot of things. So I'm, I'm willing to just sort of, and he was a guy of course that like, a year into his deal, he has the big uh, thing in L.A. where he, you know, shoot or hurts himself. And obviously it was a very scary situ- situation in some ways, but it wasn't, um, uh, you know, they gave him his second chance already. So I don't know. Thoughts? Yeah. I'm a little disorganized. Yeah, I, I apologize. Yeah, it's all right. I will go. I'll, I'll jump in with just quickly. I it's it's mildly concerned to miss on a number two that you've moved up for. It is not the end all and it is better to move on from that player and recoup a pick for him when you realize he is not going to develop in the player you're hoping he will. His last season of, you know, 56 catches, 652 yards, seven touchdowns is fine it's serviceable, but for someone who had 102 targets uh, in his direction, who still struggled with drops, though not as much in his rookie season, you know, I think he was a disappointment and, you know, you make the right call to move on. But I do, when you look at the Bills 2017 draft and you look at those first five rounds and you think, oh, all, defense, you get Trey White out of that. You mm-hmm. get Matt Milano out of that. I mean, you, that's just really good picking right there. But you look at the offense. Dawkins admittedly has been extremely improved this year and let's hope that continues, but let's face it. He had a really, he had a sophomore slump last year for sure. And they've, there's, they've alluded to a lot of personal issues he was dealing with. Those haven't come out, nor do they need to. He's entitled to have his own personal uh, frustrations to have to work through without us knowing about them, but he wasn't that good last year. Zay Jones, you know, his not exactly, it was not exactly a hit during his time either. So, you know, the, and, Looking at 2018, we're not totally sold on Josh Allen yet. Uh, I'm more in the middle. Frank is more, thinks he's going to get there. Scott's a little like, eh, is my impression. So, you know, 
we're not sold on him, but we are all sold, I think, pretty well on Tremaine Edmonds, on Saran Neal as at least a depth player, which is all you're hoping for in, a, in the fifth round with the, with the defensive back. So I think the only way it concerns me is not so much that they missed on the pick, but like I would rather they – I would feel more comforted if I, they were getting some surefire hits on offense with the higher – with the first five pick, you know, first five round picks as they were on defense where they get – White and Milano and Tremaine Edmonds and Serrano and Harrison Phillips, who really was starting to come on right before his unfortunate injury. But right decision, move on. It was it was you had a guy who's going to replace him who cost who's literally doesn't count against your salary cap because his salary is so low. And Jay Jones wasn't part of your future. So good decision. Some, you know, hopefully no longer term. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we don't look back on be like, boy, this was symptomatic of a lot of problems with their assessment of offensive players in college. Right. Scott? No, I think, I think Paul hit it. I think the offensive distinction is, is, is critical at this point. Is Yeah, you have Dawkins, who's functionally worked out. Uh, also, a little-known fifth-round pick in 2017, Nathan Peter. Ah, oh, yep. That's famous, right. Famous, uh, famous Nathan. Um, <laughs> but uh, then you go on to the fifth round in 2018, Wyatt Teller, still on the team. But oh, no, he's not. He, they moved him oh, off to Cleveland, yeah. Yep. Oh, right. They traded him, yeah. Yeah. No, they did trade him, yeah, because he was not in the top 10 offensive linemen that we had yeah. uh, at some point. Yeah, um, we literally had 10 to start the year. Now, we, now we're now we all the way down to nine. Yeah. Um, Ray Ray McLeod and Austin Prohl, also yeah. no longer on the team. No longer then, employed in the NFL, by the way. Ray Ray was just cut this week, and Prohl doesn't have a spot. Okay. And then, uh, and then obviously, this year is really where you see is where we're going to know more about their, their offensive drafting kind of precision with Ford, Singletary, and Knox as mm-hmm. three pretty big hits. And obviously it's too early to make fail-safe judgments. Ford clearly probably has some potential, but also has shown some problems too, in that he's had difficulty dealing with speed rushers as as at the tackle position, which, mm-hmm. you know, okay, if you want to just keep him at guard as a second rounder, you better be able to stick at guard. Um, Singletary looked great in one game, then got injured. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And then Mox, also a little bit injured, has looked like Rambo at some times, has <laughs> kind of disappeared from games at others. So some of that will flesh out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the only thing I would say about Jones is that, that yeah, you don't want to hang too much on a pick um, and that so much of it comes down to the, 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 the number of picks that you have to hit. Everyone's going to miss on a pick now and then. I mean, it's like 50% that you're going to find a starter in the second round probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, uh, it's really the you have to be able to get 50 percent when you're looking at all the numbers. And I'm not sure what area it would have to be yourable, as we like to say. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. Uh, and speaking of some of those guys, some of those guys are now uh, practicing again. So life is good. Dev, Devin Singletary, uh, Mitch Morse, uh, Mr. Ford, um, uh, Robert Foster, Tyler Croft. Teron Johnson and Trent Murphy all fully practicing this week uh, with uh, Matt Milano limited um, and John Brown and with a groin. He has a, he has a groin. He has a groin, as Chan would say. Yeah. Uh, and what's Thompson's first name? Corey. Why am I? Corey Thompson. Thank you. Um, he uh, he has an ankle issue. Um, Reste, uh, Nishki and, and, and Lorax get there. Yeah, and I, I was glad to see Inseki listed as a Reste because he'd had a kink. Uh, it's all right. Uh, he'd had a concussion, so I was glad to see him back from that. Tyler Croft, 
knock on wood for the third time, looking like he'll be ready to make his Bills debut if he can get through. And I'm sure uh, Tommy Sweeney, who's had some struggles, will be shown the, the, the inactives list and some more time to develop, which is fine for a rookie seventh round tight end or whatever mm-hmm. he was. Uh, Morse was really positive. You worried about that ankle injury. I was dis- disconcerted, if you will, to see John Brown added to the injury list after practice today. Obviously, he pulled his groin or did something to his groin during practice. If it weren't the Dolphins, I would I would have a severe concern. I just hope it doesn't isn't the type of nagging injury. And then the flip side optimist of me is Robert Foster practices in full, which hasn't happened in a while. So mm-hmm. maybe he gets a chance to have that breakout game we've talked about for a while. Yeah, he, he might need it. And I'd like to just quickly point out, based on the last discussion, like, okay, a lot of the guys that are coming back are offensive players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always feel like at some point in the year we're saying this, like, well, maybe let's see what it looks like now that everybody's back. And it's certainly not any sort of guarantee or, or for anything, but I'm excited to at least see, okay, here's the guy that Allen threw the ball to last year is back. The dynamic running back that certainly looked like a game breaker in the first two weeks is back. So what can we what can we do and make of all of this if we if we if we get everybody back? Does do I do I sound like too much of a Pollyanna, Scott? If uh yes. Okay. Uh, all right, good. Yeah. And to be if, fair, if, Scott always says that about friends. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. And I'm I'm trying to stay on brand here. And then the other thing of course is that um, you know, again, they could be running out the Alabama wide receivers right now against the Dolphins, and I'm pretty sure we would survive this week. So yeah, we'll have to talk there, about there's that. There's a little a of that. Yeah. yeah. I did want to mention one thing we missed on our agenda, which is that they'd re-sign Senior East Perry, which normally I is not worth even bringing up. But I read on, uh, from Joe Biscali, I think it was today reported, he was on the punt team first unit. And for a unit that has allowed two long returns and, oh, yeah, a blocked punt for a touchdown that you know, cost you, that was the difference in a game against the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to have another reputable special teamer uh, on the roster wearing okay. OJ's number to boot. So Yeah, finally, I'd forgotten all about them. That was like a big deal for a minute. And then it was then it wasn't. Um, <laughs> Okay, well, let's go to a listener questions. And, and Scott asked a question on the October 7th. Uh, is the Josh Allen you saw Sunday good enough for you? And we had a lot of that brought out all the Scott Debbie Downers. Um, Steven, <laughs> Steven says no. Brian says Meh, maybe adequate. Uh, Phil says he's not really sure. And Mark says no. And, and I'm, you know, just so you all know, I think all of your opinions are trash. Um, so no, I'm just kidding. Obviously. Uh, no, he's had his issues, but let's, let's see. Steven says, uh, it's okay for now though. He's still young. I'm beginning to wonder how much better he will get. Not every QB will be a hall of famer. We can't expect it, but will he ever be good enough if we can just improve the rest of the team? A la Flacco and Dilfer. Um, you know, I prefer him to be if if he ends up being Joe Flacco, I, I I get I'm much less upset than if than if he's if he's, you know, um, Trent 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 and yeah, a bunch of yeah. other people that are awful. Um, I, I so I, but I think that's a fair question. I, I, I don't think any of that is 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 set in stone yet so let's go to the next uh brian says right now he's just about adequate but no more i like the short and medium game that constructs drives but by end of season he has to start seeing more touchdowns accurate deep passes and more awareness of when not to throw dangerously slash when to throw one into the ground to avoid a sack the end of that i think we saw some of that in the titans game i really think that he 
took to heart what happened in the in the in the Patriots game. I definitely saw him make a couple of throwaways. Um, I felt I felt better about that aspect of it. And what's to argue with the rest of it? Even though I'm an apologist here and I think he's going to be okay, um, I, I agree he has to do those things, and we haven't seen him yet. Um, let me read Phil's comments, and if at any point you guys want to jump in, please do. Um, Phil says he's not really sure. At the Mo, because Phil's too busy to write the word moment for me, it seems they don't want him taking risks, but there were too many safe throws then, and he started to look like Tyrod. Whoa, reading Scott's mind. Sometimes, e- especially on third down, so I was about to say sometimes ESP on third down, and I'm like, he's good on third down, but I don't think he has ESP. Um, <laughs> sometimes, especially on third down, we need to try a long throw. If it's intercepted, it's not much worse than a punt. I agree. Provided the guys tackle, which it should be the type of catch, blah, blah, blah. He seems a great character, so if you uh, want him to be the man, uh, but it's just a struggle to watch if it's just check downs and throwaways. So... Uh, and then Mark says, no, I don't like almost losing every game. I mean, it's very billsy, but I'd rather not keep doing it. And not much to argue with in there at all, I, I think. I think it's fair to say that. Um, do you guys have any any feelings on that? Or... Scott, I think do you I, want to do it? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, I think, yeah. I mean, I think that's, this is kind of the thing is like, I'm okay with where he is right now because he's still just past his 16 game mark he's at game 18 or 19 here um i think as i've said before the margin for error when you have a bad quarterback or a not a bad quarterback an average quarterback mm-hmm. is very small for success in the league you pretty much have to have a perfect everything else you have to have good receivers good running back good line great defense the whole thing needs to come. And then you also probably need to get kind of a little bit lucky in terms of, you know, missed field goals or whatever the bad turnovers at inter- an opportune time for who you're mm-hmm. playing in the Super Bowl, whatever it is. And then you can get that Super Bowl win. The the easier solution on many ways is to find the Tom Brady, the Aaron Rodgers, the Ben Roethlisberger, who has you in contention every year. And when you take a guy with a top 10 pick, that's what you're kind of you're kind of banking on. Um, and again, I'm not saying he's not there yet. But I'm saying if this is all we can have for Josh Allen, then I don't know. It seems like I don't know if we can. I don't say it. Just have, get, no, I mean, that's the thing. He'll either have to take more risks and be more like Frank wants him to be and just kind of huck it down the field more so that we can have more big plays and say to hell with and take the Fitzpatrick path and kind of say to hell with the, the, the turnovers, like we just got to move the ball mm-hmm. or he needs to take the tie rod path and be like, I'm going to game manage this mother effer. And no, you know, one turnover or less means I'm, I'm eight and one when I'm one turnover or less. And I have to play complimentary football, which is what Woody said in the last thing. And that's very clearly a McDermott topping point. We have to play complimentary football, which is don't fuck up the game for the other two units who are playing well. Um, that if he wants to do that, then you got to go all the way there and, you know, and you have games like you do against the Titans. And then that's the thing, but you can't, you can't do it where whatever it was, the Jets game where, yeah, if you're not playing the Jets, that's going to probably not be sufficient where you have, you know, three or four turnovers in one half. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you move the ball at various points during the game, but when it, otherwise playing a team that that's, you're playing a team that's good 
that's never going to, that you, there's no way it's going to cut it. You have to be able to hang in those games or take some more chances and score more points to make up for it. So I think, I think Frank's onto something in that sec that if you're going to play that, you gotta, you gotta go whole hog. Kind of. You gotta do it. You're going to do it. Let's do it. You want to get it. Let's get it. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was, was going to say, I was going to say this, uh, I was going to save this for the discussion of the dolphins game, but it fits well here because we're talking about Josh so much like i am loath to ever say about a specific game that comes up like you know this needs to be the game for this player to really show mm-hmm. that breakthrough that we've all been waiting for but to quote the great director Eric darren aronofsky when a, a reporter asked him at the end of the wrestler uh, you know if, if at the end of the wrestler mickey rourke's character died because that's left kind of ambiguous and darren aronofsky just says you know well if not if not now, or if not then, when? You know, mm-hmm. So indicating like if he's not going to do it against a Dolphins team with a pathetic defense that in no offense to the Dolphins, well, yeah, offense to the Dolphins, it, then when can we expect him to have that breakthrough game? And I don't care if he even hits that magic 300 mark. I mean, I do care, but I'm going to lie about caring. I, I would like to see him hit that. I would like to see him hit deep balls this week. I would like to see him have an absurd completion percentage to go along with his deep balls this week. I would like to see if he has one turnover. I want it to be a receiver's fault for tipping it into someone's hands. Like this is, so Scott used the word okay. And as the exact word I would use, I think where Josh is now is okay. It's not as far along as we would hope he would be, but it's not a lost cause. Mm-hmm. But now comes the point when you're coming up against you know minnesota excuse me minnesota they they're they're not an opponent you come up against miami then you have a philly team that's really struggling with cornerback depth you know and by depth i mean they can't find a competent number two cornerback mm-hmm. and then you look at a team after that in washington which also has some talent deficiencies on that end of it like this is this has got to be a stretch where he really needs to start being like, okay, these are some defenses he should pick apart. These these should not be three games we win exclusively because of dominant defensive performances. So, especially with two weeks to prepare, is the other thing. You know, like yep. you're you're here just looking at nothing but how are we going to take apart the Dolphins? And I agree. I think the offense needs to show their ability to. We were talking about this a little bit with the hockey team about like at some point you it clicks on and, and the passes look tape to tape and it's a different team because it's only a couple of it's only a little bit different like i i think that you're right he's been missing these deep balls and things but it shouldn't have to be that much of a step because the guys are getting open he has the arm strength and so okay just get on the same page now and if we can get to the same page then you know it's going to be it's going to blow th- it's going to blow some things open and i think that the the promise has been shown and it's time to start delivering on it. I'm certainly not panicking or, or feeling like he can. I'm very much in the camp that he can. I just uh, I just, you know, I'm going to agree. It's it's going to be it's 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 about that time. So, um, OK, were there any Twitter questions? We have we have one from Alex. It is a hypothetical and uh, I have my answer immediately, which I'll give because it's super obvious uh, in my mind who I think it should be. Which one former Bill would you drop into the squad to enhance our playoff hopes? And off the bat, I, I'll just say it. I think it's Jim Kelly. Yeah. I understand that's going to kill yeah. Josh Allen's development or at least severely you know, restrain it. But imagine him with Singletary and Gore in the backfield with a, a competent looking offensive line that he's mm-hmm. had with some decent receivers and someone who is as 
Smart, who had that same toughness mentality that Josh Allen is known for, but also would make smart decisions to not take constant hits and who who was just one of the best, uh, literally one of the best NFL quarterbacks of all time. I think he would change the entire development. I think the defense, I mean, what do you want to fix on the defense? Yeah, add Bruce Smith, it makes them better, but they're already pretty damn good. I think if you have that Hall of Fame quarterback, it makes a huge difference. I, I, I mean, I, I think that's the answer. If you want me to, I'll try and cobble the. I mean, I think you could make an argument for Thurman Thomas, who was so dynamic in the backfield and was a pass-receiving uh, type. He was literally the only other person that occurred to me. Uh, right, and it was like, well, he sort of, he sort of changed how um, the game was played for Kelly. I think that Kelly benefited from his versatility, and that teams were, were trying to. Um, figure, you know, how to, how to shut him down. So I think that, that you know, certainly, uh, uh, Allen could benefit from a guy like that. Um, but I think it's one of those two guys and I think it's almost certainly Kelly in his prime. Yeah. 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 All right. Thank you, Alex, for the, the Twitter question. We'll, we'll consider that. We'll, we'll, we'll make that adjustment when we use that for wacky schedule next year. Yes. Right. <laughs> which, the, the, which, yeah. Yeah. I have nothing more to add on that. Yeah, everybody gets everybody gets their whichever each team gets one great legend to come back and play in their prime. And I think Kelly's game isn't so far outdated that it w- like he wouldn't be able to do it. I think that and I think know, I think we d- I think we did that too. I think we actually did do like, well, like Kelly came back and then Unitas came back for one too. Okay. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it all in a spreadsheet, but I would have to open up a document in my Windows Seven, and it will probably cause me to zoom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So don't do that. <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, is it time for this day in Bill's it, history? It is, and it like the fifty-three minute mark. So we're not even that terrible today. Well, I'm sure we'll blow right past it now. So yeah, sorry. All right, here we're going to go. Today is October sixteenth. For those of you listening, well, it's probably October seventeenth or later by the time you're listening, but. Uh, so let's go through these. We've got eight, I believe, today. We've got a couple no quiz ones. We've got some easy ones. We've got some tough ones. So let's get it started. Two years ago, October sixteenth, twenty seventeen. Did someone say want to say something? By the way, sorry. No, I think I think we were just someone was. I just, was, I was I humming. Know, let's get humming it started. along. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. We always hum the Black Eyed Peas at the beginning of this segment. I forgot our our routine. All right. Get it started. Uh, twenty seventeen. Could blank be the Bucks QB next week against the Bills. Oh, yes. This is Ryan Zimmerman. Or not Ryan Zimmerman. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick. My <laughs> oh, Ryan. oh, we did there's, so there's, well, there's, Frank. You almost were doing through the whole podcast. Yeah, exactly. I know. All right. I'm sorry. Sorry. And that was truly a mistake. I wasn't, like, trying to be sly. I apologize. Uh-huh. It, it was. I had to go, even though this was an easy one, I had to go with the Ryan Fitzpatrick one because how timely can it get? All right. We'll go to 2016. Can blank... And the pass rush keep it up. The outside linebacker leads the NFL with seven sacks, which would have made you a rich person if you bet in ve- that in Vegas before the season. As a team, the Bills have 17 sacks through week five, and their franchise record through six games is 21, set in 2013. Hmm. Anthony Rendon. Yes, right. Oh. All right, way way to be a way to be a much better person than the Cardinals fan I sat next to last night, Scott, who who was truly sour. Um, uh, no, you guys are a bunch of jerks. I um, Let's see, uh, 2016 line pass rushing linebacker. And you would be a rich person if you bet him in Vegas, having the numbers he had. I will give an additional hint that like. 
if you bet it now, you wouldn't be as rich because this person is fairly well regarded now. Is is this Jerry Hughes? Is not. Lorenzo? But that's very, yes, Lorenzo. There we go. Good job, Scott. He's indeed the Lorax. Remember, he was a special teams guy when they signed him, and then all yeah. of a sudden, like, oh, you can, you're 37 years old, or he's younger than that, but like, you can pass rush. I don't know why no one did this for the first decade of your career. Um, interesting headline from this day in, in 2016 that there was no quiz on. Kaepernick's anthem kneel down is no passing fad. I think we can agree, three years later, that's still the case. Yeah. All right. This is a this is a, a mildly tough one. You're gonna have to go way back, but I've got uh, I've got a lot of hints. After career in t- trenches, X Bill Blank patrols the skies. So what, he says year? This is the headline is 2014, but that's not going to help you as much as the hints will, because it's gonna reference a player who's retired by 2014. Ah. Okay. All right. So he says football gave me the opportunity and resources. Let me let me take one big blind guess, and if I'm yes. wrong, uh, I want to say I want to say Aaron Schobel. Yeah, total blind guess. Yeah, completely right. wrong. Yep, okay, good. All right. Football gave me the opportunity, the resources to do it. I was able to continue to get instrument ratings. When I finished, I was instructing a little and was hired by Continental Express. Once I get a little jet time, I applied with TWA in Midway. Um, he said American was the best offer out there, and I've been flying with them ever since. So he is currently a commercial pilot flying for American Airlines per Wikipedia. Here's, here are the hints. He was a first-round 16th overall pick of the Buffalo Bills in... 1980 played for the nc state wolfpack is a member of the college football hall of fame he won the outland trophy in 79 it was a two-time consensus all-american he was played with the bills from 1980 to 1993 making the pro bowl two of those years finished his career with two seasons with the falcons and nc state has retired his number 51 which is the same number he wore with the bills hmm 1980, huh? 1980 first round pick with the Bills from 80 to 93. Was he he an offensive player? He was, yes. The Outland is given to uh, the the Outland trophy. Which was the Outland for, Scott? It's it's offensive line. The Outland is actually for the best interior lineman. It is traditionally given to offensive players, but it can be given to defensive players as well. It It is an interior offensive lineman. Okay, so it's not Jerry Butler, because I was like, I think he was drafted in 79 or 80, but he was a wide receiver, so that's not good. I'm not sure. Is it Fred Smurless? Nope, he was defensive side, defensive interior, but still interior lineman, as Scott said, so not a bad guess. Mm, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, Field Marshal Erwin Montgomery. Erwin Montgomery. I'm not familiar with his body of work. I, you know... We should. It would definitely have to uh, to learn more about that gentleman. You know, it was always him and Patton, because Patton was uh, always the one who was trying to go fast and get, you know, take a lot of risks. You know, going up the 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 western coast of of uh, of Italy or going of the east. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was Sicily, really, because because basically Montgomery was taking the slow route up the eastern shore of Sicily, and Patton was like, "I'm going to go all the way to the western corner of Sicily and then make it back to Messina before you get there." And Montgomery's like, no, I'm the one who's going to do it. And then Montgomery was always slower, but he did get the job done. Was the first man to win the Outland Trophy posthumously by virtue of having died in March of 76 as yes. well. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is. It was. Yeah. And, to, and to have a whole NFL career. So. Yeah, impressive. Uh, correct answer. Jim Richer. Jim Richer. Oh, he, he I, I know that name. Yep. Him and Ken Hull and usually John Davis or Glenn Parker would anchor the interior line during the Super Bowl years. All right. 2013, 
Uh, I remember when this happened and Scott and I talking about it, but we'll see if you guys remember this name. Buffalo Bills cut starting left guard blank. It says blank, who started each of the Bills' first five games, struggled mightily at times in his first year as a starter. He surrendered pressures, hits, and sacks on the quarterback with a frequency that reopened the left guard job that he won in training camp once Doug Ligurski was healthy enough to play. He was a Kansas City Chiefs round five 2009 pick at 139. He played with the Bills from 2010 to 2013, and he was cut, and that was it for his career. He, uh, huh. His college was the Missouri Tigers. Missouri, huh? Hmm. And I remember Scott thinking, like, oh, do you re- what does it say about your team when you're cutting a guy while he's still starting? And then I brought up Trent Edwards, and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I guess sometimes you just got to do that. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have remembered the name, but when I saw it, Is I it did. Brad Butler? No, but he did retire. Uh, you know, he retired early, too. Yeah, uh, I, I, I can't think of who did. I'll say. Uh, he was a tackle, I think. Aquafina. It was a guy <laughs> named <laughs> Aquafina, yes. Uh, this guy is a tall glass of water. Uh, Colin Brown. Colin Brown. Yes. Ah, uh, boy. C. Brown. C. Boogie. Yeah. Yeah. Name we've forgotten for good reason. All right. Uh, a few more to go through here. This one, you it will be obvious at least, if not early on, when we go through the hints, if needed. Uh, this is also 2013. Blank says, I'm ready to start digging into the playbook. He says, I'm excited, excited to be here. I think it's a great opportunity to get to come in and learn a different offense just to keep playing. That's the main thing. And then he goes on about how he's excited to dig into the playbook. So this was, again, October 16th of 2013. He was released on November 4th without playing a game. His career trajectory went Packers, Seahawks, Raiders, Bills, Packers. And at one point, he actually got a $20.5 million deal in 2012 uh, from the Seahawks. Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn. Uh, Didn't even yeah. need to get to the other hints. Which well were yeah, no, I, I, I remember him as a one. Of the, he was the guy we were at the game and they yep. were like, put in. My Flynn. last, my last hint, word for word says fans around us were chanting for him to come to the game at the KC game we attended. So that was the last hint that you guys were going to get if you needed it. But you, speaking you, of uh, Speaking of quarterbacks that did nothing but got huge paychecks, uh, Brock Osweiler retired today, too. So. Oh, well, good good for him. Take your money and run, Brock. Yeah. All right. 2006. Giants blank gets his chance to pay the bills. Blank wouldn't admit to being upset owner Ralph Wilson didn't appoint him head coach after the 2009 season and brought in former Cowboys coach Chan Gailey instead. It's been two years, and whether I did or didn't, I think that's irrelevant. I'm happy to be where I am now, he said. That's please don't you know that can't be Gilbride or fuel no. fuel. There we go. Yeah, there you go. Very fuel. And he did well against the bills that week. That's the game. The bills will lose 27 to 24 to the, the giants on this day. It's where Naaman Roosevelt had his only career TD on that 60 yard catch. And then Fred had that Tecmo Super Bowl style 80 yard TD run, but fits through two interceptions to Corey Webster on underthrown deep balls. And yeah, that was that. All right. This one's tougher. Uh, so we'll see how we can do 2009 offensive linemen. So get the brains flowing here. Blank may get first start says with Jonathan Scott questionable with a sprained ankle ankle. The bills might start blank at right tackle against the New York jets on Sunday. Uh, the spoiler is he did make his first career start that day and the Bills 16 to 13 OT win at the jets uh, behind, I think 17 Mark Sanchez interceptions that day where the bills still need overtime to field goal to win. 
He was a Green Bay round five pick in 2009 out of South Carolina. He was cut after the preseason and signed with the Bills. Additional hints, he spent 09 in 2010 with the Bills. Then Detroit, he played, he was with in 2010, no games. New York Giants in 2010, Pittsburgh 2011, Tampa Bay from 2012 to 2013, where he started 20 games at least. Indy 2014, Green Bay 2014, Cincy 2014, Tennessee 2014, 2015. Four teams in 2014. And the ultimate hint, in Spanish, his first name means Ham. Is it Ham Johnson? (laughs) <laughs> should have gone with ham williams if you're gonna go with the obvious one that is uh i it's it's pronounced differently but i you guys aren't gonna get this one so we're just gonna jump into uh jamon meredith otherwise known as hamon meredith yeah That's, no okay so you guys, you guys get the that one. yeah all right two to go you guys are gonna get this one i've got a hint for each of you uh rams trade defensive end blank to bills for draft pick Blank, 23, has five tackles and half a sack in four games this season. The 272-pound defender enjoyed a fine 2005 season, recording career highs of 51 tackles and six and a half sacks. So your hint, Scott, if you need it. 2004, round three out of Georgia Tech. And Frank, your hint is Rochester's venue nightclub. Rochester's venue nightclub? Yep. Oof. Player is no. Oh, Anthony Hargrove. Uh, Anthony Hargrove. Uh, oh, right. He yeah. got into the, the scrape after Fisher yep. practice. Yep. All right. Last one, guys. 2004. Blank next to tailback for Dolphins. He says, going back to Buffalo is secondary in nature now. We've got to get uh, we've got to get a win. We're in a tough spot. They're in a tough spot. And for me, it just happens to be against my old team. He was a 2000 round five pick by the Bills from Texas Tech. He would play 53 games in Buffalo starting nine and tally 488 yards and six TDs uh, on the ground. Then he had three years in Miami, uh, four in New England and finished with a season in Dallas. Of course, when he got to New England, he started several games and had back to back 100 yard games in 2007. And he had 727 rushing yards in 2008. So again, uh, Buffalo, nah. Dolphins, okay, and then you go to New England and you're a huge contributor. Was this was this Anton Smith? No, this was slightly after Antoine, although he and Antoine did share a backfield briefly in Buffalo. Antoine went to the Patriots first, and then Larry Centers followed him, but he was more of a fullback, receiving back, and then this guy came in. He was never a the feature back in New England, but he got a... He was a spot starter, and and he, like I said, he got a fair number of carries. Even had there that. was a yeah, there was another one there, wasn't there? I got nothing. Uh, nothing. Yeah, I, I'm gonna be bad because I know I'm gonna know it when you say it. All right. Remember the first name of the wide receiver the Bills trade up to get in the first round in 2014. Sammy Morris. Sammy Morris. Sammy there we go. Morris. All right. All right, and uh, before I wrap up this day in Bill's headlines, I'll note two other uh, headlines in 2004, just because we're about to, this will segue nicely into the game we're about to talk about. Uh, the headlines, there's some headlines referencing the mold Sertan spitting incident accusation that none of us remember, but apparently two years after it happened, they were still talking about it in the headlines. And uh, if this game was going to be 0-5 Miami at the 0-4 Bills, 
The Dolphins at that point had led for 15 minutes and 38 seconds of the five hours of game action they played that season and trailed for three hours and 14 minutes and 56 seconds. Okay, so I will give the quick quiz question. Within 15 minutes, um, that's too, way too easy. Within five minutes, how long have the Dolphins led for this season in totaling their whatever they've played, five or six games now? I'll say zero. I know that they have a lead, but I feel like zero will be within five minutes. You are good. (laughs) You are a wise better. They have been ahead for three minutes and 46 seconds. They had a brief lead in the Chargers game. And that was, uh, yeah, this day in Bill's headlines for October 16th. Hurrah. Um, Speaking of the hapless doll, I think they're one of the hapless teams here. Oh, yeah, they are. They are hapless. Hapless is They're beyond half, right. Um, they, they, uh, They are 16 and a half point underdogs on the road to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they are in like they're in epic tank mode. There's tanking and that like this is a hockey baseball tank. This is not a football soft tank because you don't really see a lot of those other than um, Cleveland kind of did it. And really, Cleveland hasn't had the results yet to um, to justify like a, a tank like this in football. But they've gotten rid of everybody who's remotely talented. They're bad everywhere. They're last in offense. They're last in defense. They're on pace. I think it was for like a 400 plus negative point differential. Um, so we're all picking the Bills. Right. I've uh, actually I, in my predictions segment, I've already put Bills as the team we've picked, and I just have left the score blank because I feel it should be required. If one of us picks the Dolphins, you have to explain with 20 minutes of flawless logic why you even think you can make that pick. If for, the first question, if you were to pick the Dolphins, is first of all, how dare you? Uh, <laughs> so, so um, but. What I think what I'd like to talk about instead is even kind of forget the spread. Is there anything Buffalo can do in this game that would impress you? Or do you think that this is a game they have to win and it's really just like win, save face, and, you know, like losing's unconscionable, right? Like if they lose this game, then like the whole— Then every game becomes a, you know— better than uh, like a 50 50 win lose game to me right and, it, this game. and i think that you like seriously look at the coach and say like are you sure you're the guy i think that like you know foundations get shook if you if you let up against the dolphins especially at home um so what i want to know from you is is the can the bills do anything in this game that'll make you sit up and go yeah or is it just a matter of well they should have won and they should have won by a lot and they did so good can they only lose ground here or maintain it? I don't know. Scott, you want to get started on this? I one? yeah, I'll 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 say I think I think I can I think I and it's at it's it's in Buffalo, right? It is. Yes. Well, there goes that. Uh yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would like to see the complete game. I think if they literally played a complete game I would like a perfect game functionally I guess I would be impressed um but I feel like that's kind of a high bar so and again I'm already Debbie Downer so yeah like a perfect game every week is what I'm looking for from the Bills obviously um so yeah I you know I think that the biggest thing to me is everything would have to go wrong for the Bills in this game kind of like how most teams playing the Dolphins would have to have everything going wrong I think there's a greater chance than normal that our, of all the parts of our team that are passing off as completely self-destructs, just 
because like Josh Allen just has brain fart day and, you know, throws three interceptions and has two fumbles. And like, even that is probably not going to be enough for us to lose the game. Like the run, like the run game alone should be able to put enough yards on the board to let us score 10 points, even with a complete passing game implosion. And then it's really on the defense. And there's no reason the defense can't outscore the Dolphins on their own in this game. So I think that those are my only kind of thoughts on the game. And then I will, I will go on to my prediction and say, I don't think that that'll happen. I don't think Hmm. Alex paid that terrible. I think it'll be something on the order of 28-3. All right. I, um, yeah, I'm largely in, in agreement with Scott in a lot of ways. I, I really, to me, I need the Bills to to really just put a ton of points on the board for the defense to keep doing what it's doing. And yes, I know need is not the right word there, but I can think of a better verb. As I alluded to earlier in the discussion of Allen, you know, if not now, when? If this isn't the team you're going to be able to put a hurting on uh, with your offense against their really poor defense, when is it going to happen when you start, you know, piling up all these points? This is just a prime opportunity to do that. And I will frankly be disappointed if they if they do not. If we're coming in next week talking about a, you know, 20 to 10, 20 to 13 victory, I'm going to be pissed. Uh, I don't think that'll happen. I think Allen's going to play well against, I think he's going to have his, his best game of this season against a team, his most complete game of the season against his team. I don't know exactly what that will entail, and we'll find out. Uh, I say the Bills defense does its job, but I will say Fitz gets him, Fitz magic in there with a touchdown. I'll say 31 to 7 Bills. Yeah, I think that the two things to think about with this game, one is Fitz, who, uh, you know, Paul keeps referring referring to me to the fact that, like, he's going to have his moments, but he's also going to have his <laughs> he's moments. He's also going to have his, yes. <laughs> right. Uh, so, you know, I, I feel like Fitz could make it a, a little bit interesting. I think the other thing, and, and Scott mentioned it briefly, there's a chance that, like, that that the the Dolphins will give the run game to the Bills and and so one of the reasons that you might not like let's say if we get here next week and Allen doesn't have 300 yards passing it might be because they just were able to run the ball as much as they wanted to and they were like well why are we screwing around um so but I would still expect them to kind of throw the ball a bit but there's a chance that they could get up and run the ball and 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 a lot of that won't happen so hopefully we'll we'll see um We'll see that kind of complete effort. I think the Bills will win by by uh, double digits. I don't know if they can cover 16 and a half. That's that's always a weird bet to make. Um, but you know, sure, why not? Let's say let's say 21-10 Buffalo. I don't know. I think that's a pretty de- you know, depending on how it looks too, right? If they're up 21-3 the whole game and Miami gets a garbage time touchdown, that's a little different than if it's if it's uh, you know. 70 or, or if it's uh 14 10 until the very end and then buffalo you know puts him away 21 to 10 so um but i think that the, the they'll they'll handle the dolphins the dolphins seem um not capable of of doing very much the game i watched against the redskins where they both both teams were moving the ball they just they uh the completions and the whatnot it just you could tell it wasn't the defense that that the dolphins are going to see on on sunday and i expect there's a chance Josh Rosen will be in the game before the end of it. Um, if you would like to let us know your suggestions, you can let us know B Bills MNY everywhere. That's facebook.com forward slash B Bills MNY, B Bills MNY and Twitter, B Bills MNY at gmail.com. Uh, here we, it's all the, all the things uh, you can communicate with us. Let us know what you feel. Paul, it will be on the uh, Twitter probably during the game on Sunday to communicate with you. And uh, we will be here next week to dissect the Dolphins game and look forward to hopefully 
um, a a potential six and one record uh, when they faced, I think it's the Eagles after that. So until next time, thank you so much for listening. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Scott. And, and Paul. Good night, and Paul. I'm, I'm Paul. Got his microphone muted. Good night, everyone. <laughs>